The strongest stars have hearts of Kaiba. I'm going with the force of forces with me. That's not how the Force works. Well, that starts somewhere. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the KyberCast. This is going to be episode number 19. Joining me, as always, is my good friend, Michael Diaz. Michael, how are you? Good evening, everyone. Unless, of course, you're listening to this during the day. Good morning or good afternoon. Whatever, I'm doing great. How are you, Joe? Really good. We've had a week of a lot of little news here and there that to some are big news, and we're going to cover a few topics today. We're going to start with my personal big news for me, and Michael, you, we can get into it with you, but it's Kevin Feige now being asked to produce one, possibly two Star Wars movies, and... What will this mean for the big picture of Lucasfilm and, and Star Wars? And, you know, there's there's a lot of talk online. There's a lot of talk through the Reddits and, and things of what Feige will bring to the Star Wars universe. But I'd like to get your initial thoughts uh, on this to see where your head's at. And I'll, I'm definitely going to tell you mine, but let's I'd like to see where you're thinking. Well, you know me, I got to take the I got to take an extreme view because that's what I do. And my view is that. The entire Star Wars franchise has seemed rudderless under Kathleen Kennedy. I'm not saying she is not a successful producer, because obviously she is. She's been doing this for 40 years. She's, she's been a part of Amblin. You know, she's responsible for movies like you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., so on and so forth. So she knows what she's doing, or at least used to know what she's doing. Is she past her prime? I don't know. All I know is that for me, these latest batch of Star Wars movies, other than Rogue One, have been on repeated views lackluster. So I'm excited because Feige took these diamonds in the rough in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and has taken some really good directors, but also some unknown directors or some risk directors and he's come up with gold. So I can go on and on about that, but I want to hear your take before I go any deeper. Well, here's my thought. I don't think Kathleen Kennedy's Pastor Prime. I, I, I don't believe that for one second. What I do think is she has a different philosophy, and it may not jive with where the modern blockbuster is going. So my my point is this. I think that she's an incredible producer. I think she her her philosophy is like, I'm going to hire who I think is the best director and give them creative freedom because that's what you do with great creative. She's worked with Spielberg. She's worked with Lucas. And I'm quite sure that those two individuals are very locked in what they want to do with a film. So she's kind of learned a process of which you're the creator. I'm here to help you get what you need done for your vision. You, she's not a visionary, right? That's not what she's brought in for. But you don't think Feige's doing that? No, I think Feige is a different philosophy. I think he is a creative producer. Like he is part of the creative process. I don't think Kathleen Kennedy was ever that. I think she was a person to help a creative get what they want produced. Two different philosophies of filmmaking here. 
I think her and she does a great job of it, making sure it's on budget and this and that other than some obvious problems with Star Wars. I'm talking about her as a career. I think, you know, when you come up under the wing of Lucas and Spielberg, I'm quite sure she didn't tell George Lucas you should do this or that. I would bet almost everything. Well, especially with the rate with the Indiana Jones series and things like that. Correct. Correct. I'll give you that. But I just I don't I mean, I, I kind of see where you're coming from. But that said, I think she was the great producer in the 80s and letting people have, you know, having the right directors in place to see their vision in the 80s, maybe in the 90s as well, but not now. Oh, I disagree. I, I, I would bet, you know, a year's salary that says even if she stops doing Star Wars, she will produce another blockbuster within another year for another type of movie. Yeah, I don't think no. Uh, no, nah, you're wrong. I think I, you're you're <laughs> painting with a you're, you're painting with a super wide micro brush here that she's not good, and I think you're 100 percent wrong. I'm not she's saying, actually I'm, extremely good. I think you're wrong. I'm not saying she's not good. I'm just saying she's not as good as she used to be. I don't think she's a good fit for this type of product that that consumers are looking to get now, which is what Kevin Feige I think has done is really taken the mantle of what the creatives have done from the eighties and nineties, the Spielbergs and Lucases and pushed it to the next realm. And what I mean by that is making stories that go beyond the blockbuster and thinking out of a bigger picture. He's, he's taken what he's learned and he has a big picture take of it. Now there's a lot of speculation that says that he's going to take over for Kathleen Kennedy. That has not been announced. We all think that, but it may be one of those things where, you know, he's got to prove it. Right. The proof is in the pudding. If he if he comes in here and the next Star Wars film that comes out just knocks it out of the park and then he does it again and again, uh, Kathleen, Tur- Kathleen Turner, Kathleen Kennedy can go ahead and retire. Well, I don't think she should retire. She should make other things. But my point is this, too. There's another there's another aspect of this that I think Kevin Feige may or may not benefit from and that's how many years of stories being told by Stanley at all at Marvel he's got a mine of stuff that that he could pull from and and tweak and get a bunch of writers to pull it all together it's not going to be that easy for Star Wars because there is none unless they pull from legends and start to restring some things but even that's a cop-out like if you you you're if he is going to be hailed as this great wizard of pulling these universe, make creating a Star Wars universe of films rather than a saga, then I think it's going to be much harder for the writing. Why? Because nothing exists. That's not true. Look at, look at what Kieran Gillen has done with Darth Vader over in Marvel Comics. He's written some really engaging stories, and he's also done that for the Star Wars proper series. So, I know you, you keep going back to Stan Lee and you know the creators that created all these heroes initially for Marvel, but the, I said I said at all I meant I everybody afterwards. Yeah, yeah. But the focus has really been on people like Brian Bendis, Mark Millar, uh, people that have worked predominantly what was the ultimate line of comics. That's where this version of the MCU has come from. You can thank the Ultimate Universe for that. Now. Comics is still a very visual medium, and I think that has translated well over into the MCU as far as the fact that it's cinematic. 
I mean, have you ever read Mark Millar and um, Brian Hitch's Ultimates? Uh, a few of them, yes. They're fantastic, and they're super cinematic. I mean, they're widescreen comics, I think is what they called them back in the day. Right. You could use those as storyboards for movies. In fact, some of those scenes that we've seen in those comics were translated to what we saw in the MCU. Right. Again, you're proving my point. This is great. Right. Feige can do that. He did do that by using the comic book writers and creators. Mm -hmm. Marvel's had the license for Star Wars because it's owned by Disney for years now. Yeah, but the stories, but the stories were not strong. And they're still they're still not really that strong. The ones that I've read, I mean, there's the Vader one that's really strong and Afra, the rest are they it's not strong. Like they're just not. I'm sorry. And, and I don't really want to and I don't want to I really don't want to waste any more time like spending a movie be, on how Darth Vader became Vader between episode 3 and four, I don't care. Honestly, we we know there's Darth Vader. I don't right. need to see that. I, I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't even want that to be a film. I agree with you on that, no question. Because you're right. We we don't need more rehashing. We don't. We need to get away from the Skywalkers. No. Let's get away from the Skywalkers. I'm just saying. I don't know. Now, if you told me, if you told me he's going to head up an Afra series, dude. Oh, right, yeah. we've talked about that in the past. We, we great that we'd have no, you and I would not be fighting at all. We would be like crying together. Yeah, I want to see if they had an Afro TV show. I'm there. No, even film series, nah. you know, three series nah. to, to get it started nah. would be great. I'm not, I don't think she's ready for film. I don't either. But if you would have asked people, like, yeah, they're gonna make the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's gonna be a three feature thing. Everybody would be like what? Exactly. That's Feige, man. He. That's why I'm saying Afra could work if he does that. Like, I would trust him. I'll give you that. Okay, I'll give you that because you're right. Because who would have thought, let's get, you know, Gunn and give him Guardians of the Galaxy, who no one really gave a shit about back then. Right. Now, it's for some people, it's their favorite section of the MCU. Oh, it's Michelle's and that and Ant-Man, her two favorite sections. So. Right, so... All that to say, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to. I'm not shitting on Kennedy's career in any way, shape, or form. She's done fantastic for herself, but she's had some duds. But then again, she's been working for forty years. You're going to have some duds. I'm absolutely I'm just saying since since Star Wars moved to Disney, I'm not impressed. It's supposed to be the gold standard of geekdom, and we're not getting that. Whereas Marvel has been now. That said, they didn't know exactly what they were doing when Iron Man came out. They, I mean, let's face it, there was a misstep in The Incredible Hulk. That said, right. I'm going to keep saying, apparently I'm going to say that said several times tonight. <laughs> but <laughs> from that point on, yes, things seem to improve. It's nice and cohesive. I want to see that in Star Wars. I, I want the direction. I want, I want someone like Feige like this that's going to steer the ship and get creatives to to do what they do best. You know, I, I don't know if we need someone like a gun or YTT or something new in Star Wars, but I'm not against it. No, I'll tell you who I do want. If he gets... I think if Feige is going to be successful, they do need to come up with a thread, some kind of storyline thread. And I don't think there's anybody better that he can work with than the Russo brothers to create something 
around that. Now, nobody has said that, you know, what's what I'm finding interesting is that like what really went quiet is the the uh, Benioff and Weiss and the Ryan Johnson, like they are supposedly signed, but there hasn't been boo about that lately. So I'm curious if they even still have deals after Benioff and Weiss took that Netflix deal. Like did Disney say, all right, well, maybe we don't need these guys. Let's get five. We have Feige. Maybe he'll come in. Let's say they do a Knights of the Old Republic and kind of go way back then, and you have Russo brothers that are very good at the political thriller of thing, and you you know that could be really, really powerful. And you know Ryan Johnson's got Knives Knives Out coming out, yep. which looks great, which looks fantastic. Um, but he hasn't said anything about the Star Wars that I'm aware of, other than like, yeah, we're still talking about it. Yeah, there's rumblings every so often, but obviously nothing concrete. And I think, I think we know that. You know, Star Wars, Disney, what have you. They're, they're playing their cards close to their chest right now because they're trying to wrap up the whole Skywalker saga. And they're going to let us hurt for a few years on Star Wars. They're not going to give us a lot because they want to build up that yeah. hunger, that thirst, whatever you want to call it. They're going to build that, that desire back up and then come back at us, which I guess they need to do because, uh, well... We could do a whole episode, but the more I watch, the more I watch the new Star Wars films, the the less enthused I am. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is a whole, that's a whole thing. We won't even dive down there because that will take us down a rabbit hole that will, will be, long in the tooth. But do you think that they're grooming him to take over, or is this just like, let's look at it this way. Let's say uh, we just saw Phil Collins, right? We did. Not to dive down. We did. And the point I guess I'm getting at is like Phil was in Genesis for most of his early career. Then he went out and did a solo thing that he wasn't quite ready to do, but the band let him do it, right? So that he could come back because Peter Gabriel was already gone. Mike and Tony didn't have much of a singing part of the band. They're not very front. Anyways, what if this feige thing is more like him leaving genesis to do a couple solo things just to keep his creative juices and he doesn't really want to take on the whole caboodle but they don't want disney and or or disney does not want to lose kevin because he's creatively bound to just do marvel stuff do you know what i'm saying right right like okay here's a few things that you can do creatively go spread your wings just make sure you still do the marvel stuff because you know we don't want to lose you I mean, it could be just that instead of saying like, now you've got these two big friend, these two giant things on his shoulders, which that's a lot. Yeah. Well, I don't think Disney. So with the whole, with the whole fiasco with having to get a new director for um, the rise of Skywalker, which who knows what it was called then, but this last film, it was supposed to be Colin Trevor, or I can't say his last name. Right. Trevor. No. Is, is it Trevor or whatever that guy Trevor thank you yeah that's him um, and then bringing JJ back in so I don't think Disney wants to I here's what I think it is yes I think if Feige knocks it out of the park which we all suspect he may then yes he is going to be the new Star Wars kingmaker if you will or Disney will appoint him you know head honcho of the Disney realm but they're not going to say that now because if they come out and say it now, say, Kevin Feige is now, he is Mr. Star Wars. And if the film doesn't do as well, then they're going to have egg on their face when they say, yeah, we changed your mind again. 
So right. we're going to give him one or two. He'll probably kick ass, but if he doesn't, they have an out. So right. that's what I think. I, I think, And I think he is going to knock another park. I'm hoping he gives us the Star Wars that we want. Now, I realize we're probably upsetting some Star Wars fans in that some people are totally and perfectly happy with and love The Last Jedi. Not one of those people here. But that's fifty-fifty. I, I didn't hate it as much as some people. I hate parts of it, but I, there's you know that's that's in a podcast prior. Correct. Um. So yeah, I mean that is. I I think Kevin will do a great job with the films that he gets. I don't know if they have a giant plan yet. If they've decided to say that this is taking over for Kathleen Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy could be getting a bigger role inside of Disney. Period and just delegates other things who knows where they're where they're going um it'll be interesting ride i think obviously we have everybody has plenty faith in kevin to pull it forward i do think the difference between him and her too is that he's actually a fan like a pure fan of star wars and i think kathleen is a business person that's making star wars films and you see now that's you say that and that makes me think it's dangerous because jj abrams is a fan I'm stopping there because we all know how I feel about Abrams. Yeah. You know, there's a funny story about that. I, I was reading about it's, it's kind of a star Wars. It's related to this, the Bob Iger book that came out about George Lucas getting upset and all that stuff after he sold it. But I, I think that's a, a deeper conversation, but I do think that like that basically part of that conversation was that they would buy treatments from George Lucas to, to have them to help sell Star Wars to Disney. And they did buy those treatments. And when JJ and them met over the script, they showed the Force Awakens script to him and 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 Lucas was upset. I do believe though that JJ was not informed about the prior treatments. And then he was just asked to write. I and I think that they asked him to write something, and if and Iger says it in his book, he says they wanted to go back and kind of do, I'm not going to say a rehash, but a familiar story to bring people back into Star Wars to get it going again. That was, that was the task that they gave J.J. It was not J.J. saying, I want to do this. So... I'm not, you know, I know you. the movie for you was more of a nostalgia run, but that's what he was asked to do. And that's fine. I was okay with it at the time because it relaunched the series. And I'm like, okay, they had to do that. I get that. They had to do that to bring people back in. I understand that. And I'm okay for it. Well, I'm not okay for it. I'm okay with it. But because I dislike The Last Jedi so much, it's so maddening to me and so upsetting to me that it actually makes The Return or The the Force Awakens a worse movie in my opinion. Well, that's that's a huge discussion. It's not a JJ thing. It's just the situation we're in. We'll see what happens hey, with, the, with the last. He's the director. The buck stops here. Oh, Ryan Johnson was the director of the Last Jedi. I understand, and JJ was the director of the Force Awakens, and it, right. But you said the Last Jedi made the other one worse. That has not JJ's fault. Well, if JJ made a better film, <laughs> then it wouldn't be tarnished. Yeah. No, I think it's a different discussion. So, one other quick uh, news about the Star Wars world. This is a small one that I did not put on the list that I just saw come up through 
some news. You may have caught this, um, Michael, but I, I just now saw it. But uh, Joel Edgerton is may come back as Lars in the Kenobi series. Yeah. He played Owen Lars. He thinks in he's going to uh, come back. I saw that. He, he's pretty sure he's going to come back, but he can't say anything official yet. So if he comes back, he, he comes back. Uh, do I give a fuck about Joel Edgerton? No. Oh, I think it's cool, though, that they're going back and doing that. Yeah, but he, he had like a five-second scene before. They could have put someone else in completely, and I wouldn't even have noticed. Unless that role becomes larger. Yeah, I, that's not, I'm not... Now, let me say this. I'm not dogging Joel Edgerton. He's actually quite good in everything I've seen him in. So if it is going to be a larger role, I, I have no doubt that he can carry that role on his shoulders. I'm just saying it... As far as that news goes, I'm like, all right, that's cool, but you're not really... Whatever, it's not that big a deal. Well, here's why to me it may make a bigger deal. If they're willing to bring him in, won't be as cheap. He's not going to do it for scale because he's already kind of established. Which means we may see a lot more young Luke than I thought we would. I I don't know that I want to see young Luke. I didn't say I did or didn't. I just said it, it could happen. No, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying. Yeah. Let's not retread anymore. Let's just leave the Skywalkers alone. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's that era of Obi-Wan. I'm not sure they're going to have like, you know, Luke on the playground a lot, but they will have that connection at least once. We have, we know that. Right. All right. Well, let's, let's move on. We've, we've covered a lot of Star Wars already and I know people. More good news. There's a lot of more good news. What's the, you, you bring up the next piece of news, Michael. More good news, which I know we're several days past now. But I squealed, I squealed in joy when I heard this, that yes, we all know it already, but Marvel, you know, slash DC, and Sony, kiss and made up, and Spider-Man is now back in the MCU. He was out for about a month, and everyone got sad, but Tom Holland isn't going anywhere. He's back. I think initially put, put a link up uh, on Twitter and Facebook saying he's back for one more film. And that is correct. He's back for one more full Spider-Man film, but also a cameo in another MCU film. So I could not be more jacked. I love Holland as Spider-Man. I admit I was bummed when this happened. I was hoping against hope that they would somehow find a way to get back together. You know? But even as as late as a week or two ago, Sony chair or CEO, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was basically saying... Tim, Tom, Tom Rothman. Thank you. He was basically saying, it, it's, it's it's done for now. Right. Well, here's the funny thing. So that's they've got two films, or at least two, one full one, like you said, and one in the MCU, that takes them to like 2021 or 22. That is a crap load of time. So who knows what will happen inside those couple of years. But I think what's the real interesting part of the news is that it's been said that Tom Holland is the one that actually got the re- reconciliation going. He actually met with Bob Iger at one occasion, a couple occasions, and then he met with uh, Tom Rothman separately on a couple occasions. I got them two to talk. I love the same thing. And that just means that Tom Holland is the hero that we need right now. <laughs> He's the hero we deserve. <laughs> and need. I mean, come on. He's, he's Spider-Man. He's Night Monkey, yeah. and now he is the savior yeah. of Spider-Man in the MCU. I mean, could Tom Holland be any better? No. I, you know what's funny? Uh, Far From Home was on the other night, and we watched it. It was on regular television, like with TNT or something. 
and that's really good movie. That was far fun. from home or homecoming. Far from home. I mean, uh, homecoming. I'm sorry, you're right. Just my, my just hit. Yeah, on DV, which I meant to pick that up today, and I totally forgot. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, homecoming was on, and uh, really, it was really good movie. And Michael Keaton, man, he was good. You know, I the last ten years, I can't tell you anything Keaton's been bad in. You know, or or any time really in the last twenty years, I'm sure there's something out there. But Keaton was good as a bad guy. He was, I mean, because he was like any good bad guy, he's relatable. And right. you know, I could truly get it. He he was a construction cleanup guy. He was making good money. And here he was. He got this awesome contract to clean up after um, after the battle of New York, and the. And then damage control slash sealed just cuts him right out. He's got to make money. He's got to put food on the table. He found a way, nefarious and wrong, but he found a way. You know, like, you can right. relate to that. So, yes, it, it's a good movie. I need to watch it again. That said, I have since rewatched. I saw it in the theater, and I watched it again recently, Far From Home. And it's so good. It's so good. It's really good. Uh, it wasn't on our list, but I will say that... It, when I first saw the movie, the part when he opens, when the door opens, when he's picking up his date for homecoming, no, I don't think anybody saw that coming. I certainly didn't of, of, of her dad being him, Michael yeah. Keaton, uh, the vulture. I mean, that was one of some of the best sleight of hand. It was great. It made everybody tingle. Like everybody felt like Tom Holland's face when the door opened up. It was really, really well, good. And I, I know we're not, when the movie came out a couple years ago and blah, blah, blah. The point is, it was such a Spider-Man moment too, because Spider-Man can't catch a break, and that's what I love. Because whenever something good happens to Spider-Man, something bad has to happen to balance it out. Okay, he gets his powers. Uncle Ben dies. Mm-hmm. He finally gets a date with who he thinks is the girl of his dreams. Her father is the Vulture. Far the vulture. Even, even in Far From Home, he finally gets MJ. He he had a win. He, you know, he, he met his person, a guy who became his personal hero, turned out to be a villain. He got MJ after, you know, for two movies, well, a movie and a half. He really was into her, and it, it finally happens, and it was a great buildup. And then right as soon as they're done swinging together, boom, here comes uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Spider-Man is Peter Parker. He can't ever have, yeah. he can't ever revel in his good moment. That's a total Spider-Man thing, and I love it. Right. Absolutely. So I'm look. I mean, what will be interesting too is if they do cross both worlds, because that's what Kevin Feige said in his uh, release that you know the beauty of Star of Spider Man is that he can live in two worlds, two verse, and they're building the Spider Verse. Um, so it'll be interesting if they if they really do work together and see where that goes, because I clearly they're gonna they made a lot of money with Venom. Don't know why, because it was not good. You've seen it, but the, I I still yeah. haven't seen it. It's fine. It's you know. Anyways, but they're going to they're going to bring those two together because they need to, you know, Sony wants to build that that coffer up. And if they do their um, plan, that was the uh, Sinister Six. Sinister Six. If they do a Sinister Six, I think it'll pull people in. Well, Here's here's the thing, though. They can't do it quite like they can't do it right. Because well, the reason they can't do it right is because um, Marvel well, I don't know. It's, that is a co-production. Can they use the vulture? I, I don't know. A, 
Why not? If if they if they work it out, I mean, it's all money on the table for everybody. So there's always a way. True, true, true. Obviously, you can include Venom in that, though he is not typically one of the Sinister Six. Current rumor is that the next Spider-Man movie, when it comes out in two years, the big bad is going to be Craven. Which, right? You know what though? Going going back to what you said about the Vulture, that may have been what they're actually fighting about, and that's probably why Feige said they've got a Spider Verse. You know what I mean? And because the Vulture was in a Sony production movie and MCU, I, I still think they would retain the rights to use those. Like, I think that was all part of, like, we need to build this universe. We had the Sinister Six project, you know. You know, I think it's highly likely they can use uh, any and all. So, Sony has Spider-Man been jonesing to get a Sinister Six movie out since Amazing Spider-Man 2. I mean, that movie suffered because they were trying to do world building to build up and do a Sinister Six movie. They were thinking too far ahead. Tell a good story. Don't tell, don't tell shit. Yeah, you, exactly. So that's it's all good news for the Marvel Spider-Man universe. I want to do something that we haven't done in a long time, and I'm not sure we can actually do it. But this, if, for the week of all weeks, this is slowly becoming a DC week. And we've got three things that we can talk about here. The first one I'm going to bring up that I'm actually really interested in. I wasn't until I saw the preview and I'm starting to look forward to it is the Batwoman TV show on CW. It's part of the Arrowverse, which I have not watched uh, Arrow in a couple seasons. I'm behind and I just started to get way too um, similar with each series, you know, which is very, very interesting, not non-interesting writing. But I did the preview for the Batwoman looks really, really good. I think the from a cinematography point of view, from um, possible story. I do. What bothers me about some of these things is that you know, like Supergirl, and we have Batwoman, Batman, and Spider and, and Superman weigh heavily on the storyline, right? So if you see the preview for Batwoman, she ends up. She's a cousin of of. Bruce Wayne, she somehow gets to the mansion and finds her way down there and, you know, this whole thing happens. Like you like as a viewer, like you want to see Batman too, and then they can't do it. Um so that's the part that I worry about. It's like Supergirl it's, too, they brought let me, in. Let me stop you there for just the worst, quick the it's not that yeah. they can't do that. I don't think they will do that. Because they could if they wanted to. They've brought Superman into the Supergirl universe. Yeah, with with bad casting. Well, okay, that's neither here nor there. And now right. Brandon now Brandon Ruth is coming in for some odd episodes for some cross universe one. That oh, that up. looks fantastic. That looks fantastic. Sorry. I haven't seen that preview, so. Oh no! It's okay. Well, are you familiar with what Crisis on Infinite Earths is from the eighties? No. That's why I'm pumped. We'll talk about that. Go ahead. I'm going I'm to stop. I'm going to put a button in that or a pin in right. that. Keep talking about Batwoman. So wait, wait, real quick, just so our listeners know, what should I catch up on something before that starts? Or do I need to like, what do I need to catch up on so that I can talk? You don't necessarily need to catch up. Here's here's the deal with Batwoman. My understanding is in the, in the DC Extended Universe, specifically the Arrowverse, she popped up last year in their last crossover right yeah i did not see that but yes you're right correct but she popped up there 
she is initially not, I thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, I didn't think she was in the same reality as the Arrowverse, just like Supergirl is in a different reality, and they've established that Black Lightning correct. is a different reality. Right, that I know. The Flash, as we know, has shown that there are all these different Earths, and that's how they can all intermingle, blah, blah, blah. This, I think, so Crisis on Infinite Earths, I could do a whole podcast on this, but let me give you the the TLDR, the cliff notes. Okay. The DC Comics universe had the same issue where they had all these different Earths and realities from the 60s on. And in the 80s, they decided, you know what, we're going to clean this up and we're going to make it a big event. Long story short, they destroyed all of the other realities and merged the last remaining four or five into a single universe. Okay. So what I think they're going to do on this series is that um, they're going to take Supergirl, Batwoman, Black Lightning, and merge them all into the Arrowverse proper, which includes, well, Green Arrow, who I'm assuming is going to die. Final Uh, season, right? Right. In fact, for those of you that are familiar with the comics, this will mean nothing to Joe, because he's not. I think that Green Arrow is going to take the Supergirl spot in sacrificing. Hmm. Interesting. So, so you have, like I said, the Green Arrow, or the Arrow, I'm sorry, it's not called Green Arrow, it's called Arrow. That show, the show's called Arrow, but he did call himself Green Arrow at one right, point. Right, but, yeah. right, so that obviously is coming to an end, but already in that universe you have Flash, you have Legends of Tomorrow, they're jumping through time though, yada, yada, yada. But I think what's going to happen is at the end of this crisis on Infinite Earths, there's going to be one reality again, or at least merge all of these into a single I think Supergirl will be in the same reality so are you looking forward to Batwoman what are you what are your thoughts and I think um, the casting looks really really great oh she's great she is great she they picked the perfect person to play Batwoman in fact um, yeah Ruby's amazing yeah Ruby Rose is amazing yeah she's she's fantastic she's not the greatest actress though well we'll see now, now that said, she was in the you know the triple X, yep, sequel that came out twenty years later. That okay, whatever. Now that said, that movie was not known. I mean, that series, that franchise is not known for its writing. So I don't know how much she had to work with, but she's she was really good when she was on Orange Is the New Black. Mm-hmm. But she I didn't see it, so I'll take your. She was John Wick Chapter 2, and I thought she was great in that. Yes. So, she, I, I, but when, you know, so I have my doubts. Here's the thing. I I don't know why I don't dislike the character, but for some reason, I don't know why I'm not drawn to Batwoman. I, just, I can't explain it. It's, it's not because I'm misogynistic, because I'm not. It's not because she's a woman, because I, I love the Birds of Prey, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. For some reason, just Batwoman just doesn't do it for me because well, she's a female Batman, and I'm like, well, I just give us Batman, right? Batman's badass. I'm not saying that Batwoman isn't. I'm not saying that she can't be done well. I just, for some whatever some reason, I have a weird hang up. But that said, I did watch the trailer when they released it for the show, and even though I'm not super psyched for it, they did pick the absolute right person in Ruby. Mm-hmm. to be Batwoman. So it got me a little bit interested, but I honestly, part of it too is that as part of the Arrowverse, and like you, 
I kind of gave up on it a couple of years ago. It just, I used to watch Arrow and Flash, and then I was like, I'm not going to bother with Legends of Tomorrow. And I watched yeah, Supergirl I, I, for a bit. Just like, just like me, exactly the same. So I just, now that said, here we go again, saying that said, I am going to watch all the episodes of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Even though I haven't watched in a couple of years, I need to know what happens. So who knows? Maybe after I see Batwoman in that, I'll be like, yeah, I need to watch that show. I can't guarantee that because I, I just, I don't know why the character doesn't, I just, not that interested. You know, she's, she's the DC Cyclops for me. I don't give a shit about a Cyclops either. On Marvel. <laughs> I just don't. I think he's boring. Yeah, I think it could be a better story than what we've been led to believe. But I, I, I'm, I'm interested in this. I think. I wasn't until I said I saw the um, preview. I like the way it looks like it's being shot. I like there's some nice, there's some good actors in there. Um, I think that uh, I want to give it a shot. I'm hoping that they, like, I hope they don't go camp on this. I think what really hurt me for Arrow was like the first season of Arrow, I thought was some of the best TV comic stuff right up there with the uh, Marvel Netflix stuff. Because it was gritty, but it was also, you know, I like the back and forth of time and they had a lot of things to play with. It was, but then the show just gradually became so formulaic. Like, oh, it was almost like watching Flippin' Three's Company. It's like, who's going to make, who's going to uh, not tell the truth this time and and make somebody upset? I mean, that was really the thrust of all this, the things. Same with like The Flash. It's like, I'm going to keep some information from you and then you're going to be mad at me and then we're going to get over it by the end. It's like, this you know it was it became too much of that and uh, not i agree you know very soap opera ish which which is fine everything we watch is a soap opera star wars it's all just different ways of doing it i understand that i'm just saying that i, I agree with you in that when initially okay for a while I, you know obviously the mcu is far and above the dc extended universe their films but when Arrow first came out, when Flash first came out, those first few years, the DC TV series were way better than any of the Marvel series. Right. So it was, you know, in reverse in film. But that said, some of these shows have gotten long in the tooth, and I just I just lost interest. And I, at some point, I was like, you know what? I'm 10 episodes off. I'm not even going to bother. Right. So now jumping back into Arrow um, this year, can, you think I can? You think we can just jump right back in and start watching? Is that or? Yeah, I think we'll we'll find out everything we need to find out. I don't because Arrow. Yeah, it, Arrow's going to wrap up everything, and basically they've already said this last season is going to be like, you know, first episode is like a greatest hits of season one, and then seconds like season two, and then blah blah blah. So, right. I'm sure anything major that I needed to know is going to be in Crisis and Infinite Earth. So. I'm, I'll jump in for the miniseries. Well, who knows? Maybe at some point in time, I'll go back and watch Arrow and you know catch up from where I left off. But right now, it just seems a little bit daunting. I just don't have the interest when there's other things I'd rather watch at this point. Agreed. Agreed. So, let's move on to the Birds of Prey. You mentioned it earlier. Preview is out, I think, yesterday or maybe a couple days. I'm not exactly sure. To me, I, I mean, it, it, just watching Margot Robbie up there being doing what she's doing looks looks great, funny, 
interesting. I have I I don't know much about Birds of Prey at all in terms of comics, so you'll have to fill me in and probably our, some of our listeners about that extended universe of of Birds of Prey. Now the film is called and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, which means according to the preview she's trying to quote maybe divorce herself from Mr. J Joker. Right. Well, already they're taking kind of a turn on this because Yes, Harley Quinn has shown up in other versions of Birds of Prey, but really the core Birds of Prey for a long time was that they were, it was basically, instead of a solo Black Canary book, it was mm-hmm. a team book, but still the main focus was always Black Canary. And then she also had help from, uh, she worked with Huntress and Oracle, who, do you know who was Oracle is? Barbara Gordon. Correct. Barbara Gordon. But that's all that. That all got wiped clean when DC went to the new 52 because right. Oracle, the reason she was Oracle was because after the Joker shot her and shattered her spine way back in Killing Joke, she couldn't be Batgirl yep. anymore. So then she became right. Oracle, like scoop, you know, the awesome hacker that could help all the superheroes. That's the reason I know it. That's the only reason I know it is because of Killing Joke, by the way, and following right. that thread. So I get it's it's kind of like the whole Marvel situation with. Iron Man was a B-grade hero, but because yep. because Robert Downey did so great, he became one of the leaders of the Avengers. So, same kind of thing with... Right now, Harley Quinn is the hotness as far as the DCEU goes, so why not put her at front? But really, the focus is supposed to be on Black Canary. So, I have, I have a bit of an issue with that, just because I loved... Um, I really loved uh, Bridge of Prey back 10, 15 years ago, when back when Gail Simone was writing it, it was one of my favorite mm-hmm. comic books. So I'm excited just because I want to see Birds of Prey on the screen. But also, you know, here, here we have some representation. Now we have a woman, a whole, not woman, we have a whole female team of badass superheroes. You know, Marvel gave us the women heroes all standing together and getting ready to fight at the end of Endgame. But now here's DC going, oh yeah, well we got a whole two of them and it's a whole movie. So, I kind of like that, you know? I, yeah, I, I think it's going to be super cool. For yes. sure. I just don't, like, I don't, what's interesting to me is I don't really know all, all of that. Can So, like, I have no expectation of where this is supposed to go. I mean, maybe you do? I don't know. I don't, because, I like think, I said, okay. they threw a wrench yeah. into things by making Harley Quinn the focus. So, I, I don't know what they're going to do with it. I hope they do justice to the characters of Black Canary, of Huntress, of you know whoever else they're throwing in there. I hope they do them justice. But let's face it, this the focus is going to be Harley Quinn because she's the hotness. That's what people want to see. So I just hope the other characters don't get short shrift. We'll see what happens, but I think the trailer looks badass. Margot Robbie is not only I mean, a pure, very basal level yes she's a very attractive woman but she's also a very good actress so absolutely she's the she's perfect she's she's smart and attractive just like harley quinn and that makes her dangerous and i love it do you think they'll bring in the joker at the end god i hope not god i'm just done done you're done with joker or done with this particular version of joker i'm done with the jared leto version Interesting. I, I, I didn't mind it. It was. It, I didn't mind it. Yeah, but it's just 
if they bring in Jared Leto again, it's like, well, how does that tie? Because Segway, we got the Joker movie this weekend that has nothing to do with the DCEU, but yet it does, right? What the fuck? <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. I've heard nothing but great buzz about it. I'm sure it's a fantastic movie, and I probably need to go see it this weekend. Well, I mean, that's the next thing in our list to talk about. Out of everything we've talked about right now, I cannot wait to see that movie. I think it's going to be a fantastic way of thinking about a character that Heath Ledger made everybody fall in love with in a weird way, um, became much bigger after his presentation. Nobody nobody thought about the Joker till after that movie that was not already into Batman. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, he kind of, like, brought the Joker to the mainstream, so to speak. Um, I mean, anybody that read Batman obviously knows that feeling, but they didn't, I don't think the general public quite got it until Heath Ledger played that character so, so well of a, of a true psychopath, right? With no, a true agent of chaos. Empathy. Yeah. So what I, to me, what, what's going to be interesting about the Joker is why I liked, you know, silence of the lambs or, uh, you know, those movies, um, because, that crazy that that lector like how does somebody become that and the killing joke is a one of my favorite comic books of all the time of all time and i don't know how much they're going to pull from that but obviously there's some of it right it's it, the one bad day it looks like it's going to push somebody to a limit and and right and to me it's just going to be an interesting character study and i think you know if DC can do this thing, if DC can somehow create a way that we've said before of doing what they do in the comic books, which is there's just a lot of different things out there and, and you may enjoy one, you may not like this kind and and they're not going to be stuck with trying to build one entire world. That's It's a way to do it. I'm not saying it's the way, but it is a way. And if we get some good nuggets, I'm going to give it the time. I mean, and I listened to um, uh, formerly the Nerdist podcast. It's not that anymore. It's with, I freaking, oh my gosh. But anyways. ID10T. Yes. And um, uh, Joaquin was on there and it was a really great interview uh, about how he, you know, worked on the film and he's an interesting dude. I, I'd be weird to hang with him, but he's a very interesting dude, but it was a really good podcast. Like he's really funny. Like he's super funny. And to, I, I thought he'd be like this dark not a joker. I'm not saying he's that part, but I thought he would just be a very melancholy kind of, and he's not. He's actually very animated and interesting uh, thing. So this looks really great to me, and I, I I need to see it this weekend somehow, some way, some shape, form. I I think it looks fantastic, and I, you know, I think it's a total right direction. In that. DC has been trying too hard to make superhero movies. And yeah, Marvel and the cinematic universe there has been highly successful. But what the Russo brothers showed us, and amongst all of some of the other directors, is that stop trying to make superhero movies. Captain America Winter Soldier was much more akin to a 70s political intrigue movie that happened to have people with superpowers in it, right? Mm -hmm. stop trying to make a superhero movie and Joker is that they stopped trying to make a superhero movie it seems to be much more timely even though the movie takes place in the 80s it's speaking to us now in a lot of ways so even even Nolan 
you know, even though it has its major flaws, The Dark Knight Rises, he wasn't trying to make a superhero movie so much. He was, I mean, he used the whole Occupy Wall Street and was trying to make a commentary on what was going on at the time. I'm not saying you have to do that, but just get it out of your head that you're making a superhero movie. Because no, I think you've touched on it. I think it's really making a human story, even though they're superhuman, so to speak. It's about being a human story. There you go, and that's it. It's forget the superhero part, and that's and obviously Joker's a super villain, but still, let's not focus on that aspect. Let's focus on exactly as you said the human aspect. The fact that one bad day could take you if you're having a shit time for weeks. One incident on one day. Could that be the straw that breaks the camel back and sends you over a tipping point? For most people, no. But for some people, yes. And that's what this film appears to be about. That one thing that sets someone off. What do they do? Exactly. I do think, though, what would be interesting to me down the road is if some of these studios start to think of, like, what are stories with the villain point of view like i think loki will be interesting because he's technically a villain and a hero he's kind of those one of those weird characters but like why can't i get a star wars film that's from the empire's point of view like why can't Thank why does you. it always have to be from that would be amazing right like if we saw some more villain like let's see a lex luthor story that'd be interesting maybe uh i don't know i mean like there's so many things they could tap into because we're so used to seeing it from the batman point of view that uh you know, there, there's people in the news saying that this film is just going to be make it empathetic towards really bad people. And it's I don't think that's the goal here. I think the goal here is just, you know, things can happen to people and change their life. And this doesn't make me, you know, I'm empathetic towards, let's say, a serial killer that maybe as a child was was beaten and molested or something. And he he became this monster. But once you're the monster, I can't, I'm not going to feel, you know, sympathy, you know? Exactly. Exactly. You know, just because, you know, bad shit happens to people all the time, you know, you know, you, you may lose your job, but that doesn't mean it's okay to grab an assault rifle going and go off and, you know, start shooting people up. Yeah. There's no reason for any of that, but exactly. exactly. But yeah, I mean, you can empathize and going, man, that is some shit luck or some shit happening to that person, that man, that woman. And I empathize with that because we've all been there. We've all had shitty days. Yep. But most of us have not become the Joker. No. But I'm assuming the movie is going to show us. Maybe, maybe you can kind of see how you could. Or maybe not the yeah, Joker. I, you know, I think it's... You can kind of see... Well, maybe, you know, if I was pushed just right, maybe maybe I could do something I don't think I could. Who knows? I am interested, I am interested in the craft of this film, too. I mean, it's shot like a definite, on purpose, that, that kind of, the 70s vibe of filmmaking is in here. That, that going back, we talked about this prior, but into an, in a prior podcast, but going back to that almost pre-Star Wars where everything was kind of like shot in a way that was very down and out and, and maybe that's where we are as a country again and as or as a world that we're just we need this is coming out and and uh, we, we're gonna need uh, something like a Star Wars to bring us back and maybe that's Rise of Skywalker hopefully you have a lot of hope there friend a lot of hope <sighs> rebellions are built on hope 
And that's a good good place to... That's perfect. We're done. We're button up, Button up this <laughs> podcast. And again, we're going to remind you that in November 8th through the 10th, we will be at the Grand Rapids Comic Con. And we hope to see you. Come visit us. There. You know, Joe, I'm going to spring this on you. I know we were talking about it. I need to send an email yet. I'll get that taken care of this weekend. But not saying anything definitive yet, but we're toying with the idea of maybe giving away a weekend pass to the Comic-Con. We're talking about it. Nothing yeah. official yet. Well, we'll make that announcement next week. I, I'm, I'm 85% saying yes. Why not? So I'm just saying maybe you should listen next week. And maybe you should comment next week because maybe, maybe you want to pass. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yep. We'll work it out. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll get something going there. Yep. So talking about listening to us, you can always find us at kybercast.com. Every week we post our new episodes there. You can find us there. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. Both places, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for at kybercast. Every week we post links to our new episodes at both locations, also on Facebook. So go on Facebook, do a search for KyberCast. You'll find us there as well. You'll also find on Facebook and Twitter, we post not only the new episodes, but also some news links that we think are particularly geek-worthy. We both have full-time day jobs, so it's we can't hit all the links all the time and post them. But usually things that we're going to, that we post, we're going to talk about in our episodes. So. Instagram, Twitter, at Kybercast, Fiberca- uh, Fibercast, 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 Facebook, Kybercast, Kybercast.com, oh, email us, Kybercast at gmail.com, once again, that's Kybercast at gmail.com, and listen to us on Apple iTunes, no, that's not what it is anymore, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, we're all over the place. Joe, what else do you got? Nope. Uh, again, if you guys like what you're listening to, share it with a friend. We're not asking for any money. We're not looking for advertisement. We we do this for fun. We do this for a hobby. We enjoy it. We're going to keep doing it, whether I guess it's listened to or not, but we hope that people do share it and listen to it. We thank you for all for listening. We thank you for sharing, and hopefully you listen to us next week where we may announce those tickets. So... Until next time, we will see you later. Be seeing you. What a piece of junk.